1: Osiris. This podcast is In The Loop, the legion of Osiris podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with live experiences and podcasts about artists and topics you love. Get in
2: the loop at OsirisPod.com. Hi, this is Chris D. from The Flesh Eaters, and you're listening to Deeper Digs in Rock. DIY and Howe Studios presents Deeper Digs in Rock Part of the Rock and Roll Archaeology Project Music Culture Technology And Rock and Roll Now, on with the show Hello, diggers. Welcome to another edition of Deeper Digs in
0: Rock. Christian Swain here. I am the rock and roll archaeologist, and we are back in Aftermaster Studios in Hollywood. Hey, uh, by the way, if you haven't already, do take a look at these amazing studios right in the heart of La La Land. Uh, Just go to aftermaster.com. All right, this week's news. Uh, So if you haven't been paying attention to the podcast feeds, we have begun pulling shows out of our big pipe and giving them their very own feeds. Right now, you can find this show, Deeper Digs in Rock, as a standalone feed for your listening pleasure. And of course, there is always the Big Daddy, the one that started it all, the Rock and Roll Archaeology podcast. That, too, is available on its own. So if uh, some of you are dedicated to just that show or this one, uh, there they are for you. Of course, the big pipe with all the shows will always be there for the dedicated digger. All right, that's the headlines, finally. And this is the one that matters most to us. If you enjoy what we do here, then please, please, please tell a friend about rock and roll archaeology. You don't know how much that helps. Thank you. All right. That takes care of the housekeeping. So let's meet today's guest.
2: When I think back on all the crap I learned in high school, it's a wonder.
0: How many of you out there in Podland actually know what Kodachrome is? Okay, okay, how many of you have taken a roll of film from Kodak and put it in a camera, closed it up, and shot 12, 24, 36 frames, and then do it over again? Uh, any of you developed the film in a darkroom and then made prints? How about snuck a camera into a concert back when, on all tickets it was printed, no cameras allowed? How about hundreds of times and with, like, telephoto lenses and stuff? Well, (laughs) that is what our special guest today did for a time back when rock and roll was king. Our guest is Julian David Stone. Now, today he's an author and filmmaker, but when he was a young man in college, he was an outlaw photographer. And he's just released a beautiful coffee table book with uh, some some of the most exciting shots he took in that short career, titled No Cameras Allowed: My Career as an Outlaw Photographer, 1981 to 1987, from our friends at Duration Press. So let's sit down with Julian and get these stories on some of the iconic performers and harrowing adventures he took to shoot them, ladies and gentlemen. Julian
2: David Stone. Freeze, break!
0: Welcome to Deeper Digs and Rock, Julian Stone. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Oh, we are excited to have you here. It's a very interesting uh, book. It's a, a little bit different uh, than uh, a lot of the guests that we've talked to, because you're not really a photographer of rock and roll music uh, anymore, right? You're you, That's not what you do. No, no. This was a period of my life where I
1: was very much a photographer of rock and roll back back in the 1980s, and it was about a five, six-year period where it was all I did, and I was obsessed with it, and then I kind of hung it up in uh, about 1987.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, let's get a little bit of your, your background. Um, uh, you uh, uh, you grew up in the Bay Area, is that right? That's correct. And then migrated down to the uh, the warmer climes <laughs> of uh, Southern California. Yeah, I came down here to go to California Institute of the Arts to study filmmaking, and mm-hmm. I've
1: pretty much been here since about 18 or 19 years old, but I'm back up in the Bay Area, and I'm not exaggerating about t- at least 20 times a year because I still have family. Families up there and yeah. that sort of thing. Right? so it's,
0: a, right. it's a, right. a, the, the Highway 5 is like just a long driveway for me pretty much at this mm-hmm, point mm-hmm. so so how how did you become an artist? I mean cal arts is uh, you know that's that's you 're only allowed to go there if you're an artist <laughs> you know i I loved photography, I loved filmmaking,
1: I loved music rock and roll, and all of it, and that was just the school that that I ended up at it was it, i i can 't remember exactly, but I do know that a couple of people who were in high school with me ended up at Cal arts and mm-hmm. i wasn 't particularly close with them, but they were sort of the well known figures in the the artier students at at my high school and so I sort of followed them so that's
0: kind of how oh, that's I ended where up... they ended up going yeah th- okay. they were
1: animators actually one of it was two guys and they've done very well one of them directed the Lion King back in 1993 Rob Minkoff
2: yeah yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, wow. he,
1: he went to my high school and another oh. guy named Kirk Wise directed Beauty and the Beast and the two of them were kind of the, the, like I said, like the art studs, if there is such a thing in high right. school. wow. And I'm like, oh, they're going to Cal Arts. I'll go to CalArts. Right, <laughs> so. right, right,
0: right, right. Um, but you don't do really photography today. You're more of a filmmaker, right? Yeah,
1: it's, like I said, uh, All even, even during a, when a lot of this was going on, I was studying filmmaking and doing the rock photography on the side, and then it reached a point where the rock photography was actually going was exploding, yeah, and right. I didn't. And have we'll to, talk
0: about that as we go through the story. But, yeah, you know.
1: and, and and I didn't have time to do both, and I just I had to choose, and and I chose filmmaking, and that's been the last twenty thirty years. And sometimes I'm not sure if I made the right choice. But, <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: Well, we all have those sort of paths that we those <laughs> yeah. crossroads that we look back and go, you know, what if I had taken the other path? Yeah, right, right. right. I get you, I get you. Um, uh, so you know, music seems to have always been uh, a part of you in your soul absolutely uh, but you're not a musician right
1: no and and that's kind of how the photography started I wanted to be a rock star like a lot of you know pretty much every uh, every kid wants to be And yours truly included (laughs) (laughs) well with me it lasted about five seconds after I picked up a guitar and realized I had no musical talent and I just I could not it's going to sound funny who's someone who loves music so much I could not play consistently a note like I couldn't tell the difference difference like I I remember it was it's in the book and it was actually a French horn where I was trying to play it in class and the teacher just just got in fear and said sometimes you can play it right and sometimes you can play it wrong and I couldn't tell the difference like I was playing it the same each time and my ear couldn't hear the difference and so that combined with like I said picking up a guitar and realizing this wasn't going to happen I I sort of
0: moved into the, the photography became my
1: way into into
0: rock and roll. Uh, so let's get our younger diggers, our fans, we call them the diggers, uh, an understanding of what uh, the camera policies used to be <laughs> yeah. before everyone had a smartphone
2: at a concert.
0: You could not bring them in. Uh, it was it none- used to say on
2: the tickets, uh, on no cameras ca- allowed.
1: Yep, no cameras allowed. Some had it posted on the walls. I mean, as you would get closer to security, they'd have a whole list of, of contraband, and cameras were definitely one of them. And also, to give a context— you know the the cameras, particularly that I was bringing. And these were big cameras. This was thirty five millimeter. You know, it wasn't a little tiny you know digital camera or even. Yeah, a you, point had, shoot. you had to
0: actually stick film in it. Yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah. You had you, uh, had, so. had you had you to had to have it. a body that could uh, you know uh, hold uh, a a a a, um, a roll of film. Yep. and All of that, and then you had various lenses that you had to change out to mm-hmm. get different perspectives. Right. Exactly. M- multiple lenses, multiple rolls of film. I mean, just bringing
1: in fifteen or twenty. Rolls of film, so you could shoot three hundred pictures. That took up a, a lot of space. You know,
0: today a digital card will take thousands of right, photos. Right, right, right. Yeah, of course. You know, or anybody over thirty listening to this is going, oh uh, yeah, right. <laughs> no, we know. Yeah, I miss those
2: days. You know, right. So,
0: but yeah, no cameras allowed. Right. You. Uh, that was the policy. This, this was, uh, and to do so was, uh, you know, putting your uh, your life at risk. Yeah, I,
1: I uh, it, it, definitely your well being. Let's put it that <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, I don't know if you're really going to get killed. Okay, but, I
2: over-exaggerated a little. No, bit. but it felt that way.
1: I mean, you know, when I was running from roadies, or you know, were, you know, there were moments of where's this going to end? You yeah, know?
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
0: I'm sure there were plenty of looks from the stage of like, who the fuck is that guy, and why does he have a camera out there? Yeah, I, I, uh, I was actually shooting. Uh, I'll sort of just jump ahead to a story,
1: but I was, uh, I was shooting Bonnie Hayes and the Wild Combo, if you remember them. Mm, they, uh, they didn't last a long mm, time. Mm. Bonnie Hayes ended up like sort of going, uh, joining a, Melissa Etheridge's band or oh, something. But okay. they, they had a little bit of a run as a band in a couple of, I think, one top 40 hit. And they were actually, it was a band that occasionally someone would come to town who didn't care about cameras. So I took a camera in with a flash. I figure I'll take advantage of this since they don't care. And I remember using this flash from the stage and sort of like, at, at, or, or from the audience and blasting the stage at a certain point. And there's a picture of it in the book. The uh, lead singer or the lead guitarist came over and just kind of stood over me and stared down, like enough
0: with the flash, we can't see anymore of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The lights are for you. you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> All right, first night of uh, guerrilla photography, and just just a reminder, everybody, again, no cameras allowed. My career is an. Outlaw Rock and Roll Photographer, um, 81 to 87. So uh, our first night guerrilla photography was April 28, 1983. Tell us about that night. Sure. So like I said, I was
1: obsessed with rock and roll and discovered I was not going to be the next Eric Clapton and was really into photography. So I thought this will be my way into the world And the Ramones were coming to town, and I loved the Ramones, so I figured, well, this is it. I'll go down there, I'll shoot the Ramones, and this will be what I'll try to do now to be part of rock and roll. So I show up at the club, camera bag over my shoulder.
0: Oh, you you thought – Oh, oh I th- 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 I'm just going to walk. A photographer. Yeah, uh, where I, I do didn't, I get my pass? It, w- it wasn't
1: even a pass. I just figured I'd walk in and take pictures. I didn't know it was any different than going to the county fair, you mm-hmm. know, or so, uh, you know, or uh, any other place you might see a concert. So I just thought I was going to walk in, and a guard just stopped me and laughed at me and pointed at a sign that said "No cameras allowed" and said "Get out of here." And I went back to my car and I was about to dump the equipment in, and I went, you know, there's got to be a way around this. And fortunately, this being the 80s, I had a nice, wonderful pair of tube socks. And I quickly shoved the camera body in one side and, and one camera lens in the other, a little 50 millimeter lens and a few rolls of film and went back. The guard didn't see any anything wrong. And I went into the show and went into the bathroom, put everything together, got out as the Ramones hit the stage and started shooting. And after that, I was just addicted. And, and over the next five or six years, I took over 10,000 pictures, almost all of it smuggling in
0: my equipment of all the big bands of, of the 1980s. Yeah, yeah. Just as these guys are coming up. Up, uh, yeah, and uh, becoming really well known, which then you know after a while you get a little well known uh, as a as a photographer, and we'll we'll talk about that in, yeah. a, in a bit. Uh, so the so the um, uh, the Ramones were the first uh, the first time that you actually brought that in. You. Um, you You got the uh the excitement of uh the taboo uh, mm-hmm. aspect uh plus you came away with some really great shots,
1: yeah, I so. was so happy with the pictures and just the excitement of pulling it off and the fact that you weren't allowed to do it made it all the more you know it was kind of like being my way of being part of the rebellion that is at the heart of rock and
0: roll, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is a, a big fact. What do you think about the, that, you know, back in the day, you know, these guys uh, and their uh, management uh, were, were were so insistent on, you know, careful crafting of the image. Um, uh, but today now, you know, everybody's got a smartphone that is taking pictures and, you know, it's 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 now encouraged. So really, did, did, would it have made it that much of a difference if everybody had brought a camera in back in the day? Well,
1: it's hard to say because when the smartphone started, you know, I I still go to a lot of concerts. I don't photograph formally. I noticed that they attempted to stop it like in the year, you know, like 07, 08, when the smartphone started. And I remember noticing that, that they were attempting yeah. and then they gave up. Now, yeah. now it's yeah. ubiquitous, although they don't, you still see shows where if somebody's holding it, where they're obviously filming that they tend to still go after, like they don't mind yeah, if yeah. you're they, taking they, pictures. They, oh,
0: okay. So now it's uh, down to the, uh, um, uh, the, uh, a movie version. Right. And, <laughs> and even that has failed. You see, <laughs> Come every, on. yeah, I've every, seen an entire concert right now. It's not great. Uh, I don't understand why, you know, uh, uh, there are some bands, if you remember, uh, same thing with the recording, you know, um, you know, famously, you know, there's the Grateful Dead and some of the other mm-hmm. uh, jam bands who, you know, have a space specifically right. uh, for the recorders, uh, and um Uh, You know, granted, uh, uh, bands like that tend to uh, each night be different. And and so you're capturing something uh, unique. Um, But I also remember uh, uh, in, uh, oh, like 20 years ago, where bands would just sell you that night's concert. Mm -hmm. You know, afterwards, you just go out into the lobby and and buy it. Um, So, you know, why wouldn't they do the same thing with uh, film and video? You know, Mm -hmm. Go, go to their website and you can buy it and then, you know, try to stop anybody from taking... Taking pictures. I've been to a few concerts even recently, um, King Crimson, for example, where they said no, no photography, period, end really? the story. Yeah. And, and to me, it wasn't so much of the, oh, geez, you know, we've got to capture the uh, the moment. Uh, they let everybody pull their cell phones out at the last, uh, like the last number. Is that what they said? Uh, yeah, Go yeah ahead, I was now like, you... okay, you can do it now. Uh, uh, but, um, uh, you know, it was just it didn't interfere with the viewing From the audience. I mean, now with everybody having uh, a camera, it just gets to be uh, really too much. So, All right. So throughout 1983, uh, you got addicted to smuggling a camera into shows and secretly taking shots. Tom Petty, the B-52s, Dave Edmonds. Um, but I want uh, you to talk about an obscure band called Checkered Past, with, <laughs> with X Pistol, Steve Jones, uh Michael DeBar, uh Clem Burke, uh, and Frank uh, Infante from Blonde. Um uh, from Blonde. Blondie. Blondie. Uh, uh why was that show so special for oh you? Oh
1: my. So I mean that's I, a
0: that's a really obscure band. Yeah, though. no. A, yeah. a little bit of a super group, I guess, but uh, yeah. yeah.
1: So uh it's funny because I don't get asked a lot about the, the pictures of checkered past in the book. So this is great. Um, I went to see
0: well, them. I am the rock and roll archaeologist. Well, there you go.
1: Deep. Yeah. And it is a fascinating you know group of people from, you know, they, they were sort of discards from all these bands. And I went to see them, got my camera in. And yeah, this was not a happy bunch of guys. Um, they clearly were sort of in shock at my opinion of sort of playing in this you know these were guys who'd been bands playing big arenas and stuff and there were not a lot of people there and they didn't seem very happy about it and they kind of s- took moments to slam their sort of former bands sort of in euphemistic you know terms and then the the biggest memory I have is that at the end of it sort of trying to be punk rock they encouraged everybody in the crowd to sort of get up on stage while they with them. While How they many did- people
0: were in the audience? Well
1: that's what I was going to say it was about 20 people so you, you <laughs> <Okay>. went to- <laughs> So
0: you can't possibly get everybody up well, on stage.
1: Well that's What happened, though, everybody got up on stage with them and they you had the sort of weirdness of them playing their final number in front of an empty club because everybody was on stage with them and that was sort of the final piece to the whole thing and yeah it was it was quite a show that um, I like my pictures but yeah they, they were not happy. <laughs> they they did not seem happy like this was you know I just can't only imagine you know this was Blondie you know shortly after Blondie had been a huge band and yeah. obviously the Sex Pistols and
0: yeah. you know yeah. Uh, so yeah not, not a happy group of guys. So uh, also in 1983 you discover what would become another life Long Addiction to you, uh, the Grateful Dead.
1: Yeah, actually, I think that comes the next year. But uh, I, I think I, I might have seen my first Garcia band show. But it, it was oh, well, I
0: think it was yeah, Garcia. yeah. The, the, I the, saw the, Garcia, which Jerry was, band, yeah. yeah.
1: It was about two years later when I finally had that experience of going. Oh my God, this is this is what I need to do now. See this band as much yeah. as possible. Yeah. yeah. So that that came a couple years later. But I did see Garcia band and got some pictures. I'm really happy with from seeing Jerry and enjoyed it. But it didn't it didn't stick the way it did ironically when i finally saw the grateful dead i saw uh-huh. both bobby and uh, jerry. bobby in the midnights right? yeah, yeah i saw uh-huh. bobby and the midnights and jerry separately before i think before i actually saw the dead and 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 enjoyed those but it really you know it's that whole experience mm-hmm. of the crowd and going with a group of friends and you don't necessarily get that with the smaller bands but you do or you know with
0: jerry band or with with bobby but you do when you see the grateful dead i i completely understand it it took me a couple of shows to kind of yeah understand what this whole thing was about I yeah mean, you know the first time i'm like why are they tuning in between every song <laughs> that's right. just that's, and then you come to realize oh they're not really tuning they're really actually having a conversation on what song
2: they're gonna do next right oh that's genius yeah uh, you
0: know th- uh, you know and of course you know the the uh the um uh the crowd that uh harkens back to uh you know the 60s yeah uh, and especially as a kid from the 80s you know you're like oh my god it's this is great. It's Woodstock. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, uh, hate Ashbury. Oh, you know, right here, uh, uh, enclosed. Uh, so I can understand. So are, are you still uh, a dead oh, fan? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Mm- I've, I've, have fall. you seen like the various incarnations of Jerry's passing? Um, uh,
1: absolutely. In fact, I with the Grateful Dead because we were in California. I didn't really go very far because you didn't have to. You no, know, you could they see were here every yeah, couple of months, yeah, right. yeah, or, or you know between <laughs> Southern and Northern California, yeah. or even going to Vegas. Um, in two thousand and one, I sort of I followed Phil Lesh and friends all around the country. I kind of dropped out. I, I sort of burned out on the film business for a little bit. We're jumping way ahead, uh-huh. but and I went for about two months and followed them, and that was just fantastic. Because obviously it wasn't near on the scale of the Grateful Dead. So that Dead. was
0: your midlife crisis. That
1: so. w- that's what I told you. <laughs> I said, that's what I do. I go follow uh, the remnants of the Grateful Dead around the country. Yeah.
0: So how many shows did you shoot during that period? Uh, uh, Grateful Dead uh, shows. Well, I didn't.
1: I saw a lot. I saw about 110 Grateful Dead shows. Oh, with actually, Jerry. I think
0: in the book you very quickly don't shoot you like well what, what that sort of all
1: came towards the end where it was around the same combination of stuff where I was start. I was in film school now and I was having right. troubles as the rock and roll career was taking off I needed to be studying film and they wanted me to shoot shows in LA and I had discovered the Grateful Dead and I shot them the first couple of times and then I just wanted to put the equipment down and dance yeah and so I, I so there's a lot of Grateful Dead shows where I didn't photograph and obviously the, the farther along you know the, the less I photographed I just wanted to go Go with my friends and dance and do the rest of what you do at
0: a Grateful Dead concert. Mm-hmm. So you you also got to travel to Europe and shoot two yeah. in hometown Dublin. As, yeah, at, just as they're rising yeah. into what they now are, uh-huh. uh, you know, the superstar uh, band. But this is this is uh, just as they're really uh, uh, in the hockey stick moment.
1: Yeah. This is 83. I went to Europe and I went over to see them in Ireland. And it was it was kind of an Irish homecoming. They hadn't played in about a year back in Ireland. And it was just after the war album had come out and they had started to become international superstars. And they came back and played this show. And it was very emotional. I swear I was the only American in the crowd. Mm. And it and it, it was the edges birthday. They brought a cake out on stage. I mean, very much a hometown show and and it felt like the return of the conquering heroes. Yeah. So it was yeah. it was very very powerful show and it was an amazing lineup because it was also Simple Minds, The Eurythmics, uh Steel Pulse, it was just a great lineup of other bands with U2 at the very top of uh of the lineup. Yeah, yeah, that must have been surreal. Oh, it was it was fantastic and randomly when I was putting the book together, I was trying to to narrow down Um, For some reason, I didn't have my tickets in front of me the date of the show, so I I Googled the show, and a Facebook page came up that was devoted. It was called Classic Dublin Gigs, and in it, I found... Pictures from some of the professional photographers who had shot from the stage. And I found myself in the audience. Really? Yeah, I actually found a picture. I was looking at it and I called my wife over and I said, come here, come here. I said, that's me I in the, in the crowd. Does it show
0: you with a camera? It,
1: you, you, you sort of see the, the camera strap over my shoulder. Uh-huh. And, 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 but it's definitely me. Wow. Yeah, so that oh, was really yeah. fine to find this sort of yeah. evidence, you know, all these years later, later of me in the crowd.
0: Yeah, you ended up uh, being there solo, but I don't think you, you went to Europe uh, solo. Oh, you, no, were, I did. I did. I go thought by... there was a couple of people that uh, you uh, roomed uh, with. Oh, or... Well,
1: I was supposed to go with a friend, and he canceled at the last minute. So I went by myself and I met these two guys. On the train from the airport. Americans. Uh, Americans who had yeah. flown in. they, I think they'd been on the same flight who had f- flown in and we decided uh, – uh, had flown into London to get a room together. Mm. And, and we did that and they, they were kind of an interesting pair. One of them had come over to look for a girl he was in love with, immediately found that she wasn't at the restaurant that was the only address he had. And so he – got on the next plane
0: and went back and then the other she guy, gave him a fake phone number and he <laughs> flew all the way to europe to go and find her wow or, or i think kind of
1: romantic well, kind of dumb I, I got the uh, sense it was like an ex-girlfriend and she wasn't at the address yeah, anymore yeah, yeah, you know yeah. and then there you know it's not the internet or there was you know no way to cut it and then the other guy was going to be in london for a couple of days and was on his way to germany to study linguistics and as i write in the book he stuttered which i found very surreal that but <laughs>
0: it's a way to get over yeah uh, you, know, maybe, uh, you know, all. Power to the people. Right? Yeah. Right. No, it was
1: fine, but it was just a funny juxtaposition that that's what he had chosen as his career. And uh-huh.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah. And you end up in Dublin for, yeah. for, the, for the big show. Right. I'm sure you shot pictures around London. Oh, I all did. All yeah. rock and roll history that you find and,
1: there. And there were no, there's no pictures in the book of it, but I also saw Dave Edmonds in London. I'd seen him previously mm-hmm. in uh, um in san francisco but there was like he played a little tiny place in london called the red lion pub or something and and i and i got to see him there too while i was there and that was great and i bought so many records because you know this is obviously way before the internet and they just had all these wonderful record shops they they all seemed to be below street level like yeah, you go yeah, downstairs yeah, 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 yeah. and i and i ended up i amassed such a collection of like Rare stuff that I was finding. I had a bag at Victoria Station that I would go out, collect all my stuff, go back, get it out of the baggage clip, put more records in it, and then put it back in the baggage check because I just couldn't. It was too heavy to carry right, to my right, hotel and just yeah.
0: being, until until you had to, that flight to get home. Exactly. Right. 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 So uh, was there much of a difference in uh, you know how uh, the security treated you in America versus uh, in Europe for those shows?
1: I remember it was pretty easy to get into the the U two show. Um, That was another thing that I figured out that, you know, when you when you shot a big show, there were pluses and minuses. And the plus was the security just because they were overwhelmed dealing with large crowds. They didn't give you near as thorough a pat down. And by then I'd gotten pretty good with how to hide stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, The minus was getting close enough to take the pictures you wanted was harder because these were people, you know, more hardcore fans, people who had been in. You know, in some cases, if it was a big show, had been waiting all night, so you had to really fight to get your real estate, and and you know, some people would kind of give you a dirty look as they saw you sort of, you know, doing that thing of yeah, inching
0: yeah, up yeah, yeah, to yeah, the yeah, front. Yeah. So, I'm one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know, I know. Oh, man. So, uh, the police, Talking Heads, Elvis Costello, Joan Jett, uh, David Bowie on Serious Moonlight. Um that is a lot of high fuel concerts in nineteen eighty three
1: yeah it was fun. It was a lot of fun i w- I was busy, and you know it 's that wonderful thing of being a teenager that 's obsessed you know yeah, you just yeah. it 's your whole life and you have basically no other responsibilities you know
0: so what's your favorite
1: memory of all that of that year in particular yeah. probably the European stuff was that that trip in Europe was pretty special, yeah. although police had the police at Shea Stadium was pretty
0: magical too, because they were, you know, this, yeah, is, this they, is huge. I mean, they, yeah, it's like trying to recreate the Beatles in Shea Stadium and and, all uh, that, and, yeah.
1: and you know, I when when I when I put the book together and started dealing with all these images and and started talking about it on the internet, by far those those pictures had the biggest reaction because apparently that show. Um, In their careers was after that, they decided to break up the police after Shea Stadium because they were kind of like, where do we go from here? We just sold out, you know, Shea Stadium. So I had a lot of people reaching out to me who wanted to see the pic more of the pictures, because I have a lot of them uh, of the police. So that was interesting just to discover that the importance of that gig to people who were fans
0: of the police. Right, right, right. So uh, did you uh, 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 trade through fanzines or, uh, you know, how how did they know? Oh, just these were friends uh, at at college, right? Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about this is now. Oh, now. Now, now. yeah. No, when, when, you know,
1: so much of this project, when I stopped doing it in 87, this was just an archive that I carried around for 30 years and by the grace of God (laughs) survived because there were a lot of dorm room moves and a lot of... Yeah, these are tangible.
0: (laughs) This isn't... you know, actual uh, film yeah. uh, that you have to put in a box and, and carry it to wherever the next home is. Oh, yeah. Know, I had to move. Uh, and it's not like just on your computer. No. Right? I
1: mean, in in the early 80s, I had a friend sort of, sort of do a down and dirty scan of everything. And then obviously everything was rescan for the book. But up until the early, you know, about 10, 15 years ago, this stuff was just negatives that I was carrying around. And thank God there wasn't a flood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so...
0: So now you're a freshman at CalArts. You moved down to Southern California. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let's talk about the Darlings of MTV, the band that seemingly was made in a laboratory (laughs) um, just for that channel. And that's Duran Duran. Yeah. Okay. well, this is
1: kind of a long, crazy story, but I was not a huge fan of Duran Duran. But, you know, I knew them and, you know, I was interested in. Anything going on with music. But all the
0: girls were a huge fan of
1: Duran Duran. And, and one guy who I knew at Cal Arts was obsessed with him. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I can't even describe. You would not believe the the obsession. So he came to me and he knew I took photos. And he said, look, I'll pay for the tickets. I'll pay for the gas, the car, everything. Will you go down and see Duran Duran with me and take pictures? I'm like, well, what do I got to lose? So we get down there and this is the forum uh, in early 1984. And like you said, it's just a fabulous forum and and it's just pandemonium. You Mm -hmm. know, uh, Duran Duran is at their their peak with screaming girls. There's no tickets to be found anywhere. So we find one usher at the forum who says basically, hey, give me 50 bucks. I'll open a door and and you guys will go. We give him 50 bucks. We go into the show and we don't have seats. So we're kind of milling around and I've got my equipment and I'm keeping it hidden. The lights go down. The screaming gets louder if possible. Um, and I pull out my camera and I start taking pictures as, as they're as they're performing. So I'm shooting away, and the plan is to shoot some pictures from here and then move closer. Well, I'm a, we're a couple songs in, and all of a sudden I feel this hand on my back and I turn around and there's two huge security guards standing there and they look at me and go Duran Duran group security can you please come with me so they grab me they they start to haul me out of the arena my friend like out of a cartoon just disappears in a puff of smoke he's of course, gone yeah. he wants no he, part yeah, of this yeah. <laughs> so, I'm
0: not getting in trouble and
1: god damn it I want to see Duran Duran <laughs> right so they take me outside they rip open my camera they take the film they take everything uh, now by then I had already gotten into the habit after I shot a roll of putting it in my shoe a finished roll so I had one role that did survive that's why there is yeah. a picture in the mm-hmm. book of durand around so they take everything from me and give me back my equipment now they they kind of loosen up they realize i'm just a kid i'm not you know i'm, I'm not really looking you're to... not yeah
0: you're 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 not really uh the nefarious uh yeah. type that's going to print a million copies exactly. and send it out through the throughout the world right?
1: so so they decide i can go back into the show so they they uh, you know they, i'm outside the arena they take me up to a door they knock on the door the door opens and it's the same guy that we had paid to get into the show he sees me standing there with two security guards thinks i've oh you yeah you've, <laughs> you've ratted, ratted on him i've right, ratted right. on him so he freaks out and he's trying to get the door shut and you know and the security guys have no idea what's going on and you know and I, I know exactly what's going on so this guy won't let us in and he slams the door and the two security guys are standing there and they start to have a conversation what are we going to do with this guy well one of them suggests let's take him back in through the backstage area Awesome. So, yeah. So I'm like, this is, this is like looking it. up. <laughs> this is looking good. So they start to march me towards the backstage area. And it, if you know where it is at the forum, it's sort of there's a runway mm-hmm. that goes down. So yeah. so they're they're sort of taking me around and we're getting closer. Then all of a sudden they get a call for another security incident. So they just abandoned me there. They're like, sorry, we got to go. You're, you're out of luck. And almost as quickly as my friend had disappeared, he reappears because he's watched me being taken away. He had left the show
0: because
1: he was so freaked out by what happened. So he thought well, I had that was been,
0: nice of him to keep an eye on well, you know, he not well, just he, leave you. He,
1: he thought I was being hauled away to jail yeah so he reappears and he's completely flustered and i of course have just loved the whole thing it was it was so comical so th- that's where the, the story basically ends we, we do a drive-through and go back up to Cal Arts. so <laughs> but the, a few
0: pictures did survive but that was Duran Duran yeah that uh, that was a crazy moment uh, you know maybe uh, I you know there's been boy bands that have uh, you know been manufactured uh, mm-hmm. you know to to get the that same reaction from um, uh the female audience mm-hmm. similar to uh, early Beatles, early stones that sort of thing but Right. That, that was like the last the rock and roll uh band that uh, that garnered that sort of um yeah. of just unbelievable um attention uh especially uh on the 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 women's side of things, so. and
1: it's amazing they're still out yeah, there playing, still playing all there. the yeah, time.
0: Yeah, yeah. same. Uh, I, I think the only the guitar player is not with them these days. Yeah, so I know the the that there's guitar player. I yeah.
1: know there was a time when they all were back, and yeah, then yeah, because yeah, I have yeah. another friend who's a big fan, so he
0: sort of fills me in on their history. Yeah. So how how many uh, well uh, not that anyone needs this sort of education at present time but how many different ways are there to sneak in a camera?
1: Oh my God! You know, as as I said the first time, it was spontaneous and the tube socks saved me. As I got more sophisticated, I started taping stuff you know uh, to, to my the body. Magic duct tape, right? Exactly. <laughs> and you know, I, I I hate to admit it, but I kind of had a some pretty wide uh, I don't want to say bell bottoms, but I had some pretty wide pant cords that I wore. Probably for too long in the '80s that helped me, and then eventually I got to a point where I got an old navy coat that hung down to my ankles, and I modified oh, an old it.
0: Old pea coat, yeah,
1: right. Yeah. And I modified it so I could the equipment could hang inside of the coat and go down to, to basically the hem. Yeah. And that was fantastic because they would do the pat down and they wouldn't go below basically, you know, they wouldn't even go down to your
0: knees. Right. So that was where I would hide so all little, kinds of getting stuff. Getting a little too close to the nether regions.
1: Right. right. And I would use the nether regions too. <laughs> that was another area you could, you could hide film canisters and stuff like that. Cause they weren't going to pat you there. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now they got the, the wand. And, yeah. Uh, so there's, Good luck with that. So. Well,
1: it's it's funny. There's a there. Uh, uh, I've uh, there's a couple of shows coming up that I have tickets to that I'm sort of. Contemplating trying to sneak in, uh, see if I can get away. That I oh, know so it's you so,
2: still
0: have the. I, I the, want to see if bug, I can do huh? it. I and,
2: want to see yeah. if I can get in the I was thirty-five ask millimeter. You that, have yeah,
0: have you done it since then? So, oh. oh, so you're now thinking about it. I, yeah. I've brought
1: in a lot of little digital cameras to a lot of shows, and even some that you weren't supposed to photograph. But that's no big challenge. Like sometimes, yes. even those you can dump it as you're going in. You know, through yeah. the the. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, as they're wanding you because they are not really paying attention. I, it's the big rig. I want to see if I can do it one last time. So,
0: oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, I'll have to get back on us. <laughs> yeah, whether that was well, successful. Or one
1: that. of the shows I'm
0: going with my wife, and she's like, "I don't want you yeah. to get caught." Let's not in front say of which me. show it is. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And if you get caught. I'll meet you in the car afterwards. Exactly. Right. 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 Yeah. It, it sounds like you had a real thing for a Bay Area local band that never achieved the rock and roll dream called uh, Eddie and the Tide. Yes. Yeah. So, really, what do you think? Why do you think they they never made it?
1: You know, it's it's again speaking from my perspective, it's a tough. And business. why did you love them so much? I, I loved them because it was kind of like the band that. It, it was the one local band that when you went to see them, there was a huge crowd, so it felt like you were you know you were seeing a regular thing, and and they actually had an album out, so you knew the songs. You know, usually when you go see a local band, you don't really know their music. You're just sort of trying to enjoy it, and there's 30 people there. They felt like a real band coming, and it just you were sure they were going to break out. Yeah, you know, so it just it was kind of cool. It was you know so you could say it was like seeing you know the Beatles at the Cavern or you know Springsteen at the Bottom Line. You were going to be able to have that experience, and they didn't. And why you know it's just. It's rock and roll. It's like, why do some hit and some don't? You yeah. Know?
0: There, it, it, you know, I spend a lot of time trying to figure that out. And, uh-huh. you know, and of course, uh, you know, you've been told for. Decades that uh, you know the suits, oh, they've
2: got it all figured out. Don't right. we know which ones are the ones to
0: sign and which right. ones are the ones to leave behind. No, they don't really <laughs> yeah. know either. Yeah, it's all a big gamble. Um, I listened to some of the the tunes because of your your book, and um, you know they definitely belong in that mid eighties. Yeah, sort oh, of. they're they're very uh, the, much a product of their time. Yeah, 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 a little. I can I can hear a little of that that authentic Bruce uh, John Mellencamp sort of uh-huh. like you know. You know, I'm telling you, the way it is, kid. Uh, uh-huh. Sort of uh, lyrical content, uh, you know, a little Huey Lewis uh, sort of thing, which again comes out of the yeah. Bay Area. So, yeah. so, but uh, yeah, they just, you know, just for one reason or another, it uh, it just didn't happen. Yeah, so. they, and there's a lot of bands like that. Yeah, yeah,
1: they did. I think they're, and I only actually found this out because of my wife. They did have a song on the soundtrack to. Um, Oh, God, what's the vampire movie that was shot in Santa Cruz? Oh, Lost Boys. Lost Boys, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of their peak. Mm-hmm. you know. And I think they did get a record deal, but I don't think anything
0: came of the record they made, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think they're still out, or he's still out. Are uh, they? doing doing some things? Huh. Uh, I I, yeah. I haven't yeah. I haven't followed where, where they ended up after yeah. the eighties. Google yeah. <laughs> uh, on June twenty fifth, nineteen eighty four, at Wolfgang's in San Francisco, oh, you yeah. outlaw photograph the greatest band in the history of <laughs> rock and roll, the band that was always so far ahead of the musical curve. <laughs> they were about to skid uncontrollably and crash into their very deaths. Um that band is Spinal Tap.
1: Yes, without a doubt one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, tell experience. us
0: tell us about what must be seared or or maybe abused into your very soul of rock and roll. Well, and again this is covered in the book, if you were as
1: obsessed with rock and roll in the 80s, you you cannot underestimate what it was when this movie came out. Oh, it was like I everything know. you yeah. loved and, and the, hated so, and, 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 and we're like
0: are they talking about
1: me? Uh, so. You know, it, it was it was just pitch perfect, and the movie had come out and was a sensation. And within a month of the movie coming out, they put together this really quick little tour where they played San Francisco and I think maybe one show in L.A., and it was just incredible. I, I got in to see them, got my equipment in. And Which was w- one of the hardest
0: tickets to oh, get, they, was, I think you was, say in the book. Yeah. It's like it, was, it, was it was unbelievable.
1: It was unbelievably difficult. I got in. I got my equipment in and the show was just incredible and you couldn't tell who was having more fun the audience or the performers because i'm sure they could not believe that this made up band with this movie that had quickly become a sensation that they were now performing live you know and they were loving it and what was also interesting because they did tour later they did later tours yeah yeah but what was really unique about this they had to find a
0: drummer but sure
1: right what was unique about this this moment was that it was like they had jumped off the screen because they looked exactly like they did in the movie when you saw them later there was always this weird effect where they got older but the hair was the same because they wore the same (laughs) wigs so when you and, and there's still a lot of fun but it wasn't I mean this was just the movie come to life and I remember the there was a review in the paper the last day that the next day that just summed it up the best and it said if you miss this show go ahead and kick yourself mm-hmm. it was that much fun and adding to it also as a f- rock and roll photographer when they did Stonehenge you know the famous Stonehenge number there was a rock and roll photographer who in the Bay Area who was a professional who was well known who was a short person and he came out and did the, did the dance for oh, that so oh, that okay. was special that he came out and it was funny because he was shooting the show I remember seeing him on the stage photographing and then sure enough when it came for that number he put on the shoes and the hat and he came out and did the dance for yes. Stonehenge so,
2: little people right. Right, right and it was right. just
1: so that just you know for us in the photography
0: crowd was extra special to see that they had chosen him to do it and he had done it yeah now, I, I believe uh, you uh, are going to go and see one of them tonight, Derek Small. That is correct. I was. Who's uh, still out on the road.
1: Yes, yeah, still, you know, as he, he's calling it, Lukewarm Water Live. you <laughs> 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 remember from the film, uh, one of them, he says one of them is fire, the other is ice, and I'm in between, uh, well, in between lu- in Lukewarm water. <laughs> water. Yeah.
0: So I'm very much looking forward to that. All right. So. Uh, shooting you two again at Bill Graham uh, Civic uh-huh. and uh, now Bill
2: Graham Civic yeah. uh, in
0: 1984 uh, changed your game um, because let's talk about you now going pro. Um, you worked for I think both Artist Magazine and BAM Magazine, right? right? I, I I shot uh, a fair because amount because of, because of this
2: show.
1: Well, well, indirectly. What 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 had happened was I had started uh, you know as I had built up all of this guerrilla photography as you called it. Um, or outlaw photography, um, I built up a portfolio. So, you know, at the age of 20 or 21, I thought, well, I should do something with this. I had a portfolio and I I typed up a list. And I remember I had this old typewriter that was an old mechanical that was so old that every time you hit a uh, a period, it would punch a hole in the paper. <laughs> it was that old of okay. a, Yeah, that, that I used. And I typed up this list and Artist Magazine hired me and I started uh, doing uh, professional gigs for them.
0: So now you had credentials.
1: Right. Mm. And then from this U, this U2 show, I took a picture at this show of Bono that... I went to an open call that BAM magazine had and I brought my portfolio. That's a pretty cool picture. Yeah. It's this great picture of him pointing into the crowd. They used to do this thing where they would pull somebody up out of the crowd and give them the edges guitar and teach them a chord and they would strum it and then they would all leave and leave this person on stage. And I, and I caught the moment where Bono was selecting the person. So I had this great picture and I remember I had the meeting with BAM and they're going through my book and they're like, wow, these are great. They're great. Then they stop on the page of this photo of, 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 bono and they're looking at it and it was it was two uh art directors or photo editors and they kind of look at it and they look at each other and then one of them turns to me and says we did a cover on bono a couple of weeks ago and we couldn't find a good picture if we'd had this picture this would have been our cover mm. so needless to say they they hired me on the spot and i was now you know was now going to be an assignment
0: photographer for for bam yeah that's that's awesome so, yeah good in bad as we'll find out yeah. uh, going forward but uh okay so uh, you know all kidding aside about spinal tap mm-hmm. uh, probably the biggest game changer for rock and roll in the 1980s we, we have to discuss uh, the prince show that yes. you shot uh, you got to see uh, the purple rain tour at the fabulous forum uh, mm-hmm. February 24th 1985 and I, and I believe this is where you took your all-time favorite
2: shot
1: yeah uh, this is Prince in the purple rain area uh, P- purple rain area era <laughs> purple rain era and and this was the closest to Beatlemania that I had experienced because I was in college now and I can remember. Even more so than the Duran Duran. Yeah, because because Duran Duran was a phenomenon with kids, but he wasn't they weren't everywhere. Like, you know, like as I'm about to like, there was the one guy who was obsessed in college. When Purple Rain hit, I can remember walking through the dorm and hearing that album coming out of every room at yeah. a different place mm-hmm. on the album. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that way with Duran Duran. People knew who they were, but it was confined, you know, it's like no offense to them, but like One Direction or one of those where they're hitting a sweet spot. It wasn't like, you know,
0: wasn't ubiquitous.
1: Yeah, and mm. you know, and right, it wasn't ubiquitous and Prince also had the number 1 movie. I mean, it yeah. was it was, yeah. you yeah. know. So, um when he came to town, I was going to be damn sure to be there. And you were going
0: to party like it was 1999.
1: Exactly, and 2000. Um, and so I remember I I was so excited for the show, I bought a brand new high-powered telephoto lens, and it came the night before the show, so I really didn't get a chance to to do much with it. I sort of played to make sure it worked you know, photographically. Well, the next day in the parking lot, I'm getting ready to go into the show, and um, I'm trying to put it in all the different places that I would hide equipment, and the lens is too darn big, to fit anywhere. It's just too big of a lens. So fortunately, I had gone to this show with a female friend, and I got this brilliant idea of this was the 1980s, and women's hair was really big. Big hair. And she always carried with her um, a can of um, Aquanet. Of course. So we hid the lens in her purse under the can of Aquanet, and we went up to security. I remember walking in, and the guard is sort of looking at her like, what is this big
0: bag, and there's there's some cylinder in there. So,
1: So sure enough, we get up there. The guard opens it, looks in, sees the Aquanet. Says, oh, fine, go on in, and and I went on in and shot, like you said, uh, some of my favorite photos, including my favorite photo ever at the Prince show.
0: Yeah, why is that your favorite photo?
1: It just it it purpose it perfectly captures. Prince, and it's a, it's a moment where Prince has sort of got his hand up and he's in the classic guitar pose about ready to make a, a mighty strum on the guitar, but because it's Prince, there's a big pink boa mm-hmm. that's flowing, uh, and I just thought that just captures who that man is. Uh,
0: I, I have to agree. It's a, it's a pretty stunning photograph. Well, thank so you. you. Yeah, you, it's you, my favorite. Yeah, I can see why. Uh, and, you know, it's, you know, we, we just recently lost uh, Prince, and, um, you know, uh, he is that picture is is everything it's uh it's it's that singular moment uh um and and there may be others uh taken around that time but right at that moment i mean that is the the height the the peak of of his powers uh, oh no right question and it, it comes across in that photograph oh so. great thank you um so was uh the 85 howard jones gig uh the first where you had to abide by the rules of the time for professional photography.
1: Yeah, it was my first arena show. I had shot other club shows, and it was the first time I shot an arena where I was in the pit okay. and all that. And yeah, and it was very strange to walk up to an arena with my camera back over my shoulder because I knew I, you know, Instead I had, of getting
0: turned away, you're like, uh, yeah. yes, okay, that door over there. Exactly.
1: And, you Press. know, I, I, I went in the pit, and, you know, with the other, it was the first time I sort of met the other big Bay Area photographers, and I remember them kind of looking at me like, who's this kid? kid? Right? Yeah, I'm like 20 years old. And, uh, and, you know, you're only supposed to shoot three songs and they want you out of the pit. So the whole thing was just – it was weird. It was just not I, – I, I I kind of missed the excitement. Well, I did miss the excitement. There was, it was no
0: excitement. It, was, <laughs> yeah. a it no. was a job. It was a job.
1: Though though the later I had to shoot bands that I didn't like and I'm not going to give any of those names. I did like Howard Jones. So at least there was the fun of that, that at least it was a performer I was interested in. But I certainly missed, yeah, the challenge. And, you know, they didn't want you to shoot more than three songs. They wanted you to leave. And most of the other photographers did. I – hung around and still shot a few more
0: shots from the audience just sort of almost for old time's sake but that's the first time where maybe you're beginning to think uh maybe photography is not my future (laughs) or
1: or at least not the professional aspect of the rock and roll because it's as i mentioned a moment ago that when you, you know, everybody that I went to see and went to all these lengths to smuggle in the equipment were bands that I loved. You loved
0: them, yeah. So the passion was right. there uh, from the get go, exactly.
1: And then when it becomes bands you're not quite as interested in, it, it, it takes it ta- and you don't have the excitement of you know getting around security. Yeah, it definitely became was starting to become something different.
0: Well, you know, there are drugs for that. Too, so. <laughs> So, uh, let's talk about your William Miller from almost famous, uh, moment when Rolling Stone oh, uh, yes, called yes. Uh, you about your photos.
1: Yeah. I, I had shot, uh, another festival up in, up in the mountains, shot a bunch of stuff and gotten home late at night and about eight o'clock in the morning. My yeah, phone. This is
0: Calaveras County fair. Yeah. Right? yeah. They, they would
1: have the mountain fair. air festival yeah, yeah. every, every year. Um, and it, you know, it was a couple hours and I'd drive up there, um, So, yeah, I'd gotten back late the night, you know, the night before and my phone rings at about seven or eight in the morning and I stupidly answered it. And I hear this voice on the other side go, this is so-and-so from Rolling Stone magazine. And I sort of shoot up in bed and she says, we have your list here. Um, I wanted to talk to you about some of your photographs. And it was that same list I was telling you that I had typed up with the the you know, the the, the, yeah, with type the yeah, with that, uh, punching the hole in the right. paper. And, and this woman rattles off you know, very business, very fast, rattles off we were interested in talking heads, Tom Petty, Huey Lewis. And I'm just sort of like writing this down and I can tell that as the conversation is going on, she's getting more impatient because she realizes she's talking to a kid, you know, she's expecting like some, uh, yeah, older. Uh,
0: again, you should have done the William uh, Miller,
1: thing. right? Um, <laughs> yes, uh, this is
2: a William
0: Miller, exactly.
1: <laughs> so, so she's getting more impatient, and then she starts to give me FedEx information, and I've never sent anything to anybody on FedEx before, let alone on their account. You know, so I, I start to you're say, giving me your account. You know, I can use this. Well, uh, no, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm more saying like, so you want me to pay to she's like no that's the account number we're paying for it and then she basically yeah, this like <laughs> is rolling stone
2: get your act together <laughs>
1: exactly so basically that's where the sort of the conversation ended and she hung up you know very quickly and then i sort of was sitting there going did that just happen and then i looked down at my notes and you know i had written the stuff down so yeah that was my my encounter with rolling stone and i shipped off the the pictures that
0: day mm-hmm. did you hear back from them
1: i don't believe i ever heard back it's okay. one of those things that you know it, it a, a lot of stuff because. This all goes back 30 years. A lot of stuff is lost in my memory. Like, I I was going through a lot of paperwork... Uh, look that I had found when I was pulling out the negatives that I'd saved. And there was stuff like that had been sent to spin magazine by artist met like stuff I didn't even remember that they had purchased photos and just stuff I didn't remember. So I, they may have responded. I don't even remember. It's kind of been lost.
0: I remember the story of them calling me mm-hmm. beyond that. I can't remember exactly what happened. But again, a, a, another instance where I'm sure in, you know, your mind, you're beginning to say, is this really what I want to do? Well, I was thrilled
1: by this. This was exciting. The The real problem, like I said, was the the calls to do shows that I wasn't as interested in and the eventual conflict with my, I was, even though this was really taking off, I was going to be a filmmaker. I'm not, you know, again, it's being it's being young where you're like, you just do everything. You're not, yeah. you know, it didn't occur to me that, no, this is actually going pretty well, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we, we talked a little bit about it earlier when we brought up The Grateful Dead, but uh, mm-hmm. there's that Ventura uh, fair Yeah. Uh, you know, and always a great place to see the dead. Yeah, uh, and and during the second show, you had shot the show before the day before. Right, you'd had plenty of, of pictures, and, and and I totally understand what uh, you mean in the book when you say, "Hey, they don't really change a lot from day to day." <laughs> yeah, so it's not that exciting. You're not going to get something that's going to make you go, "Wow, yeah, that's it's... amazing," because it looks just like it did the day before. Yeah. Um. Uh. But uh, I, I, I'm going to assume you've done this without chemical en- enhancement. <laughs> <laughs> um maybe not uh but uh, uh more importantly your your life changes in an instant
1: yeah um uh there were there were many dead shows with chemical enhancement but this was not one of them this mm-hmm. moment happened out that it. it was that was the first set of the the next the second show where I just, want, I just want to put the equipment down and dance and that really was the, the moment sort of like I was pretty well on my way to being a deadhead but that's kind of where it all came together sort of when you you have that first moment where you feel free enough to dance you yeah. know where you're in it you know that's yeah. one of the joys of the Grateful Dead is that it's 10,000. And you don't 000, care what everybody, right. yeah,
0: nobody's going to look at you. And, and nobody uh, cares and, themselves yeah, they're having yeah, a good time yeah. you know
1: and, that, and that's a very freeing thing and that, like that's when it sort of hit me and the whole experience of that weekend it was you know I went with four friends we slept on the beach, you know, it was all those wonderful things that, that go with the, you know, with being young and seeing the Grateful Dead. And so yeah. it all really coalesced
0: in that moment on that weekend for me. And, and then that was basically kind of the end of outlaw photography. Yeah, the,
1: the, I, I still had – I was still doing a little more. The, the final incident that since it was something that happened at a Springsteen show where I'll just briefly uh, – I wasn't shooting it professionally, but I still was shooting other shows professionally. and I
0: Yeah, that was October 2nd, uh, of, 1985, of right? Um, church, church of Bruce. Exactly. Uh,
1: and yeah. uh, you know this was a big show, and I brought – I got 20 rolls of film in, and I, I started photographing. And I'll sort of tell this quickly. But something happened mechanically to my camera during the show. And basically all but two rolls came out blank. I had 18 blank rolls of film. And I just went, you know what? This is you, the, you
0: had done this as, again, as outlaw. You'd Yeah, this was an outlaw, in, right.
1: even though it wasn't a show I'd been assigned to do. And it was spring season, So I thought, oh, this will be great. I'll do it, you know, for, for, for fun again. And I took that as the sign that I couldn't sustain the film I was still studying film, and I, and I was getting all these calls to shoot shows in L.A., and I said, this is it. This is the sign I've been looking for, and I pretty much hung it up after that. I, I oh, had a. you few- listen
0: to the universe right there. So. <laughs> Again, the Grateful Dead, you know. The, it was <laughs> the combination
1: of dead shows and also – And Bruce. And, and Bruce. <laughs> and I still had a few more shows left that I shot, that I had assignments yeah, that I agreed yeah. to. I shot, I think, like Nick Lowe and, and The Untouchables and maybe Los Lobos, and they're in the book. But then after that, that was when – I was done, and I pretty much. If I used to keep, again, they're in the book lists of all the shows I went to. And if you looked at the pages after this, it suddenly just becomes Grateful Dead, Grateful Dead, Grateful Dead. <laughs> all the other, all the other shows disappear.
0: Yeah. So you, you make the car- career decision. Yeah. Uh, no Rolling Stone magazine. No, no Annie lebowitz or uh, uh, Mick Rock or Armand Gallo or uh, Jim Marshall or Henry Dilt's for you. Right. Uh The, the last show as an outlaw photographer was, was. Church of Bruce yeah
1: yeah that was pretty much it I I think I I might have taken the equipment in to see the dead a couple times after that just for fun you know in terms of as not yeah. with passes well, no, dead but, show you
2: can get just about anything yeah, right now, yeah. exactly <laughs>
1: exactly <laughs> that's not that special yeah <laughs> the
0: sneak stuff yeah <laughs> I,
1: I I did I'll just tell really a, a very quick little story about shooting at a dead show about a year or two later I was I was done with all this but I we had particularly good seats so I thought oh I'll bring in my equipment so I s- smuggled in my equipment and we're in about the, the fourth or fifth row over on Phil's side, if you remember. The, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. it, so, uh, I know exactly what yeah, you <laughs> Yeah, so I'm taking pictures over there, and I decide, well, I want to go back and get sort of a, a wide shot of the whole band. So I go to the back about 30 or 40 rows back, and I'm standing dead center, and I'm taking pictures, and a guard comes over to me. And, and, you know, I, he's going to start hassling me and I turn to him and say, hey, I just want to take a couple of pictures and then I'll go back to my seat in the music. He mishears me and he says, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go up to the front. You got 10 minutes. So I'm like, okay, so... Oh, so, I think in your yeah, credentials. Yeah, for, exactly. Right, so right, right. I'm like, okay. So I go up to the front and I'm literally like, you know, up in the barrier. Right on like, the rail. The, right. right on the rail. Yeah. Taking, so I got, uh, there's actually is one picture in the book from that shoot. I had to put it in because it's such a uh, picture I like. So that was just kind of a funny incident where I wasn't even trying. And the guy was like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So...
0: Well, I I think I already know the answer to my next question uh, because we've kind of hit on it a couple of times. Uh, Do uh. you miss it? Apparently you do.
1: Yeah, I I, I miss it. I, I honestly wish I hadn't stopped. It's one of those things looking back like, I should have done them both, even though it was getting hard. But, you know, you're young. I don't know. I, I it, it, As we were saying earlier, I went to CalArts, so it was 30 miles to get into yeah. L.A. So, you know, it did oh, take don't tell itself. me about that. <laughs> yeah, you, you know. Yeah. But no, I, I do regret it. And, and I yeah, I just I don't know. It was just one of those things that I, I wish I had continued with it, particularly looking back on it. But but it but it is nice. It's It's been so nice to revisit all these memories and realize how fun it was.
0: Yeah. How did you put the book together?
1: Well, it it. it it kind of touches on a little bit of a sad thing. Uh, when Prince and Bowie passed away, I just put pictures. Yeah. yeah, I just put some pictures up on Facebook to, to memorialize them and just, you know, because I had these pictures and all of a sudden I got inundated by all these people going, why do you have these pictures? What's the story here? And there was one person in particular, I'll throw his name out there, Andrew Diggs, who knew me at Cal Arts, who reminded me of some of the stories I had told him then. And, you know, back then when I was in the thick of it, you'd come in my, in my dorm oh, room yeah. and my pictures were everywhere you know they were on the wall there were you know stuff was just out on the counter so he was the one who who suggested i do a book and initially i was like oh that's interesting and then when i really thought about being able to incorporate the stories and the smuggling in of the equipment, I thought, okay, that's unique. That's a different story. Mm. And so that's when it really took off. But I have him to thank. And because of Facebook, because of people going, why do you have these pictures, you know? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, Now, of course, you can't even recreate the experience, uh, nor would you want to. Uh, But back in the day, even in the 80s, a a rock concert was still thought of as a magical experience. I mean, you know, because you couldn't just everybody bring a a photograph right. in? You know, it, it was it was incredibly special if you did have something like that. So, um, you know, the the people on the stage are gods. Uh, the The audience feels as if they're just lucky to be there, and mm-hmm. we've hit on some of those stories personally yourself, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure a lot of our audience uh, understands what we're talking about here. Yeah, you know, uh, is there is there any way to kind of feel like that today? <laughs>
1: You know, I'm sure it uh, you know, one of the reasons that rock and roll or I believe rock and roll has survived this long is that it reinvents itself. It means something Mm -hmm. different to each generation. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I don't I'll be honest, I don't listen to a lot of contemporary music. And I shouldn't in a lot of ways. It's really an art form of the young.
2: For the youth, right?
1: Yeah. And so my music made no sense to my dad, and my son's music will make no sense to me. And it kind of should be that way. So I think they're having, this generation will have its own experiences where they'll be moved by a particular show the way I was, you Mm -hmm. know? But, you know, there were things that were unique to this time that I think helped, you know, and you sort of touched on it that one of the things was the difficulty of even finding out about tours yeah you know it wasn't like you yeah. just went
0: on a website you know no no I you, mean, you had to read the paper or, and then then it was like oh my god for me
1: or... for me it was Rolling Stone I mean yeah. I would be at tower ta- there was a tower Records in in Palo Alto where I grew up uh-huh. that was like the hub for all rock and roll and when that issue came out I think it was Wednesday or whatever I was there as soon as it hit the newsstand because you would see who was touring I mean that was the only way to find out when I went to Europe to shoot those shows I had to get uh, yeah, you know, enemy and and me an mm-hmm. imported copy of it exactly that was it there was no other way to find out
0: yeah 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 whereas today you yeah know, it, it's you know it's everything is uh, available uh, google in, it and there you in go. A, in, a, in a smartphone that uh, you know everybody carries around with them yeah. so um you know what would you suggest uh, to any budding photographers out there today on how to get that perfect shot uh, when they do pull out the camera to show the
1: the one bit of advice, because I have been asked that, and that I so learned they can is, do it quickly and then put it away <laughs> right. Um, no, just if you want to, you know, it's like this in anything, but, with with rock photography, I found shoot as much as you can and shoot the, you know, don't don't be a snob. Shoot the smaller bands because when when the, when there's nothing at stake, because when everything's at stake, what you learned shooting the smaller bands will mm. come back to help. Because okay. mm-hmm. that, you know, I had, I shot a lot. Of, I, there's even a band in there that was, it was actually the brother of the guy who was obsessed with Duran Duran. He had a band called Haven that are also in the book that I included that I shot them at the Troubadour at eight o'clock on a Tuesday.
0: Yeah, I you think know. there's some shots in the book yeah in
1: and and that was a great you know it was a learning exp- you know it was all part of all of it you know and so that's my you know d- don't don't turn down any chance to
0: shoot mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that you, is your number one advice yeah
1: and now you have no excuse you know back then you had to pay for processing and, oh yeah printing uh, it was now expensive. Yeah, yeah it was i developed my own black and white um, so that made it a little cheaper but mm-hmm. yeah the color was expensive yeah
0: well uh, uh, at cal arts uh, i'm sure all the labs were there and uh, you could getting there yeah you go down and film mm -hmm. so it was a little bit easier uh, for
1: you yeah although i think we had to pay for our own chemicals i don't remember the school (laughs) paying for the chemicals (laughs) you had the space but i don't think they paid for the chemicals
0: so what's up next for you julian
1: well you know as i said i went into the film business so i'm you know i've been promoting this book the, the last few months and it's been it's been great the reaction's just been fantastic and then you know my my day job is my writing Um, I have a novel that I wrote a few years ago very different subject um, about the world of live television in the 1950s before there was videotape everything on TV was live and almost all of it like a
0: my favorite year sort of uh, thing
1: exactly very much in the flavor of that and that book the book is in development to be a TV series so Uh that's going on and I'm once I get done with the promotion of this I have another novel about Hollywood in the 1930s that I'm in the process of finishing up and I'm hoping to have done in the next six months, at least a a first draft.
0: Wow, sounds very exciting. Yeah, well, trying to keep busy. Well, we hope to see uh, some of that out there. Hey, it was a pleasure having you with us today on Deeper Digs in Rock, Julian Stone. Oh, my pleasure. Great to talk with you. stories all. I'm surprised we didn't run into each other back in those heady times uh, when rock and roll was king and every week a legendary act was coming through town. As he and I discussed with everyone now being an outlaw photographer with a smartphone, uh, the allure is gone. And, And I think most of you would agree that is not the only thing missing in today's carefully planned slick arena shows. So, Go out and grab No Cameras Allowed, My Career as an Outlaw Photographer 1981-1987 by Julian David Stone. You will not be disappointed. And I might add, going through the book many times while preparing for our discussion, he really had good taste in music, even as a youngster. All the artists presented are pretty fucking cool and ended up being
2: legendary.
0: Okay, we will see you diggers out there. I am the rock and roll archaeologist Christian Swain, and this has been Deeper Digs in Rock, a Pantheon podcast. Until next time, keep up the rockin'.
2: Deeper Digs in Rock, produced and hosted by Christian Swain. All sound design and incidental music by Busy Signal Studios. All quotes performed by actors unless noted. Playlists can be found at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Please purchase these great and important tracks. All songs, clips, and references can be found on our show notes. Please visit rnrap.com for more information.